one. Hello, and welcome back to the Real Professional Podcast, the podcast where air quotes real professionals interview non-air quotes real professionals. You are tuning in for part 11 or 12 or 13, I can't remember, of the Dread X Collection collection, the collection of episodes where we talk about the Dread X Collection. This little collection is about the Dread X Collection 2. Uh, we've been talking to all of the developers. At this point, the game has now come out uh, and been... You know, it's been actually really, really awesome to see the fan reception, to see just how well it's done. Um, you know, I was it's it it's it's really moments like this where I get to kind of go into the comment section, see the reviews, see like the buzz on Twitter, like that really makes it all worthwhile. So, you know, for all the people out there that are listening, that are fans, thank you so much. I really, really appreciate all of the positivity and the support. And um, you know, we're really looking forward to delivering more awesome content to you in the future that we uh, haven't announced, but maybe I'll, I'll let slip accidentally on the podcast, so then Star can get mad at me. No. Star, you're not supposed to talk during this part. Gosh. Um, anyways, uh, guys, uh, we got a great episode for you today. Uh, we got uh, Kyle Frost, aka Malik, aka the Classified X, aka uh, whatever else is is uh, what company he's using to go by to do various things. Uh, you know, creator of SCP Blackout, uh, Outsiders from the first collection, and now the Toy Shop in the second collection. So, uh, anyways, without further ado, DJ, why don't you drop that sick beat? Because uh, I didn't know this when we first started doing this uh, this this second part of the collection, but you uh, just had a a child, a small human, just spawned into your life. Yeah, yeah, kind of a low level boss monster, but I mean it's it's going pretty well. Yeah, do you still like it so far? Like, is it still are you guys still friends? Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, doing a uh, freelance stuff, so I'm working on a bunch of projects, but. Doing that lets me stay at home, so that that really helps. And my wife's on maternity leave, so yeah. overall, it's not really too bad. Just a bit of a change in schedule. So, okay, how old is the little one at this point? Um, let's see, thirty-four days. Yeah, that is oh. very new. That is a very small child. Boy or girl? Uh, boy, his name's Viridian, so Viridian Frost. Oh, that's a great name. Yeah, I love it. Aw, that's so cute. <clears throat> so I actually, like, your wife was actually, like, pregnant and, like, far, well, along when we were started the first collection. <laughs> I had no idea. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. I kind of forget how it was back then because it wasn't too big a deal. Uh, the, the toy shop was a lot more pre- prevalent. They kind of had to cut out a bit early so I could um, we could do some baby shower thing and get ready because it was only like a couple weeks off. But yeah, yeah, I guess it's been it's been going for a while. Yeah, it's so it feels so weird though because like I was just talking to Star about this yesterday, and uh, like the because the first Red X collection came out like May twenty fifth, which isn't that long ago. 
<laughs> it's, you know, it's like four months ago. Like, we haven't been doing this very long. Oh, man, it feels like, it feels a lot longer than that. Yeah, I mean, it feels like years at this point, but I guess that's just because we're doing so much stuff so quickly. Because it's kind of crazy to think about, because like I, I think I said this on the last time I interviewed you, but we met at PAX South, which might be, I guess PAX East was the last PAX ever. But, uh, like, you know, it was, it was like, God, it doesn't feel that long. I mean, it feels it feels like forever ago that we were that like we went to conventions and promoted our games in person and like met people. But it like really isn't that long ago, you know? Yeah, when I think back, I'm like, oh yeah, that was like years ago. And then I'm, it's like, wait, I guess it it wasn't. <laughs> I've known him since a time before time, long long ago. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think that, like, quarantine brain is, like, getting to everyone and that we all just feel like we're, uh... I don't know. Time is, like, so immaterial now. Like, there's no rules to it. I feel like at some point the time police are going to show up and be like, you guys are violating ti your time crimes against time. Like, not not the kind of time crimes against time where you, like, kill Hitler, but, like, the crimes against time where time stops working. Like, real, like, like management-level time crimes rather than just the pedestrian kind of violent time crimes. Does that make any sense? Did I make any sense with that joke? Did you just watch Umbrella Academy? I have not actually watched Umbrella Academy. I've been watching uh, Blue Bloods Season 10. And good, good gracious, is that a weird show to watch right now? <laughs> Cop shows have gotten very awkward to watch. Very, very awkward. Very quickly, yeah. too. I can't do it anymore. You know what? Like all these people talking about how we need our sports back. Cause I'm not, I'm not a Mr. Sports. I don't, I don't much do the sports. Um, and I'm not sure. I start, I don't think you do sports either, despite being from the Midwest. Uh, or do you do sports? Are you a sports lady? Absolutely not a sports person. Okay. Kyle, what about you? Are you a sports man? No. Yeah. I've hmm? sports even going on. Cause I don't even, I never paid attention before. Yeah, well, I know that the NBA is, like, on hiatus because they're, like, please stop shooting people and, like, a bunch of stuff's going on. And, uh, uh, but for me, the the true media casualty, the thing that I'm, like, sad about is that, like, I can't watch cop shows anymore without being, like, oof, this is a, this is a rough episode. <laughs> and they're all, they're all like that because, um, I guess... And this this might be shocking to some, but I guess we've uh, had some problems uh, between uh, minority communities and the police for more than just the past three months. And uh, seeing the, the seeing the ripples, like the, the the predicating ripples in in television and media before that, uh, is is been very interesting. I can't wait to see what season eleven is going to be like. <laughs> Like, I can't, could you imagine how awkward it would be working on a cop show right now? Like, being an actor that portrays a cop? Because, like, they're not actual cops, you know? Like, they're just actors. And, like, the, the, but, oh, God, that would just be such an awkward role right now. Um, I just, like, am already tired of the whole genre. Like, hospital shows, cop shows, and lawyer shows. I'm super tired of. I just, I found out that the, the lead actress of Deep Blue Sea... Two is in a show called Station 19. Station 19, maybe Station 29, maybe Station 17. I don't know. It's an odd number that, that's two digits long. She plays one of the leads of that. And that is a firefighter show spinoff of Grey's Anatomy. 
which was a uh, doctor show, I believe. Grey's Anatomy was a doctor show, right? It was like sex doctors. Like, no, sorry, not sex doctors. They're doctors that have sex. That, that's what I think Grey's Anatomy is. And I think this is about sex firefighters, which is like honestly a great idea for a show. But I was like, how do you have... Okay, first off, didn't Grey's Anatomy end like 15 years ago? What? How do we make a show about game devs? I, you know what? I wanted to do that, but they're not the most... Like, if you want to make a show about game devs, I think that the only way you could pitch it to a major studio would be something like... Um, like sexy game devs? Sexy game devs, yeah. They'd have to be like... like the, the girl would have to be like super alt, but also hot. Like, she's just like... Her glasses on is like the only way that you know that she's like a nerd. But other than that, she's like a 10 out of 10 model. And then like uh, one of the dudes has to be... Uh, like, like the sweet, adorable one, but like kind of, but like in that, but still kind of like fit, you know, like kind of like, uh, Jake Gyllenhaal before he got jacked, like early days, Jake Gyllenhaal looking, you know, he's kind of like still skinny and young, like Donnie Darko. He was in Donnie Darko, right? Or is that Jared Leto? Fuck. Of course. Yeah, it was, it was him. He was Donnie Darko. Yeah, that's what I thought. Like Donnie Darko kind of nerd looking. And then, um, of course, you'd have to have, like, a very ethnically diverse cast, but they all have to be attractive. Like, you can't... You might have one ugly one, but that's going to be, like, the fan favorite. And she's going to, like, go to conventions and everybody's like, I love you, blah, blah, blah. But she's going to get paid less no matter what, because Hollywood, like, at the end of the day is a bunch of, a bunch of criminals. So, I shouldn't say that, because we are, like... Patrick is very nice to us, and he is a person in Hollywood. Actually, I'm a person in Hollywood. I live in Hollywood. Jesus Christ. Am I a criminal? Like, I wonder, I honestly would love for people, like, you know, like, you've lived in California almost your whole life, uh, to come live in, like, the Midwest with me. (laughs) (laughs) And to see the difference is just crazy. uh, Yeah. No, no, I was going to say, Kyle, you live in Texas, right? Yeah, I live in DFW, but I don't really go out much, even before all this stuff, so... I don't know if I count too much. I just kind of live indoors. DFW, Dallas-Fort Worth, right? Yeah. Is there a difference between Dallas-Fort Worth and Dallas? Like, is um, it just the same area? or? Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of all metropolitan, I guess. But there's, like, suburbs and stuff in the middle, I guess, where it's not, like, overly developed. So, I don't know. I, I've only lived here for two or three years, so... I'm still kind of new to it. I just kind of live in the middle. Um, I, but there are, like, downtown areas, and I don't really go there because it's busy and lots of people and traffic. But is DFW the same thing as Dallas? Um, Pretty much, I guess. Okay, because, like, I'm thinking of, like, Kansas City and, like, how Kansas City isn't in Kansas, but then there's, like, another Kansas City. You know, like, that's where my brain's going. It's like, is DFW and Dallas different things? And I don't know. And honestly, even if you told me, I probably wouldn't remember. Yeah, it's just kind of a bigger scope. Yeah, so probably like uh, the uh, the metropolitan area, kind of like how San Diego has like San Diego and then San Diego County, and um, Ohio has like uh, what cities are in Ohio? Akron, <laughs> Cincinnati, Cleveland, and Columbus. Is isn't there an Akron in Ohio? Is Akron Ohio? Akron, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Surprise! You know that. <laughs> So then you have Akron, Ohio, and then the greater Akron area, which is just, like, miles of cows, I'm guessing, or farmland. Yeah, Marilyn Manson's from Canton, Ohio. The guy that murdered all those people? Uh, sure. No, I'm thinking of Charles Manson. 
My bad. Yeah, you're thinking of Charles Manson. I'm talking about the singer. I get those mixed up all the time, and I probably shouldn't because they're very different. No, people. you should not. So I just want to let everyone know. Let's killed somebody. I don't know. Oh yeah, I mean, un- unless you count all the uh, the, the pearl clutching uh, saviors of our civilization that were saying that Marilyn Manson music was causing school shootings. Did you say squirrel shootings? School shootings. No, squirrel shootings are a very, very serious crime. Uh, we should probably not joke about squirrel shootings. Uh, yeah, oh my god, I saw this, like, tweet the other day that was, like, uh, somebody was, like, quote tweeting Elon Musk, and I don't know what Elon Musk said, but the caption was, I'm sure this man has eaten somebody at some point. <laughs> and I'm like, you know what? It probably could be true. It's probably true. I mean, like, yeah. <laughs> Have you ever seen the those rich people like before and after they get rich? Like Elon Musk was like a balding weird nerd, and now he's like attractive. But I guess money does that to you. Yeah, I don't think I. I think he looks like him and Jeff Be- Bezos to me uh, look very unhealthy. Like you, I like every time I look at them, I I always like feel sorry for them. They don't look happy at all. It's because of the mad cow. You get that when you eat people, <laughs> like when you eat your own species. <laughs> What if the key to immortality actually is just eating a whole younger person? No! no. I was actually thinking about this on the bike the other day. I was like, okay, how long would it take you to, like, eat a whole person? And, like, probably a lot of it would go bad by the time you get to that part of the person. So what if, like, you just have to, like, really get it down and, like, that's how you live forever? Can you not freeze it? Well, I... That's, come on. You've always heard that, like, freezing it reduces some of the nutritional value. I don't think people care about nutritional value. So you probably have to have several people that you're sharing with other people. Like you're eating them in shifts so that you can eat a whole person, but still have the fresh bits every time and then just cycle through. After you watch Umbrella Academy, you should watch uh, Hannibal. I've seen Hannibal. I liked Hannibal. I'm sad that Hannibal got canceled before it got to finish. Um, And I have no idea why, because that show is, like, insanely popular. There's a lot of really, really popular horror shows, quote, like, horror-adjacent shows that get canceled, um, like The Exorcist Show and uh, Hannibal. And... I like that one, too. I, and I, it's just, I, I, it's weird that I think, I, I feel it's weird that Hannibal got canceled, because it also had that crime show bend, and crime shows tend to do very well. As far as I know, it actually was doing well. I think they canceled it for content reasons. Like, they didn't want it to be part of their network anymore. I, yeah, I'm sure it's, like, some executive decision and not having anything to do with the public. Like, there's some, like, you know how it goes behind the scenes. Like, somebody was maybe upset and decided to pull the plug, even though, you know, money and fans and all that stuff. You know, I would be willing to bet that Mads Mikkelsen was probably asking for more money than they wanted to give because he's, like, relatively famous. Um, I mean, he's like super famous in, uh, Europe land where he comes from. I can't remember which he's like Scandinavian of some kind. He's like either Danish or Swedish or Finnish or something. I mean, he, he is great. Have you seen him in Polar? I've not, but I've seen him in the Casino Royale and Death Stranding. (laughs) He is really good in both of those. Uh, Polar is a great movie. It's on Netflix where he plays a retired assassin. Ooh, yeah, I'll see it. Yeah, it's kind of like red, but not stupid. Well, no, sorry. It's way stupider, and because of that, it's better. Like, it, it leans oh, into love, the... I love red, too. But, I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's just my goofy sense of humor. I didn't think red, too, was as good as red, one. I'm trying to bring Kyle into the conversation. 
Yeah, sorry about that. Kyle, I, I keep forgetting that we have to actually talk about video games on this podcast. How are you? How's your video games? Ah, good. Um, yeah, with all these new projects and freelance stuff, um, I've like learned a ton, so I have a whole bunch of stuff I'm improving Blackout on for some big update, I guess. So, so that's what, been exciting. Why don't you tell us kind of what you've been working on, what new stuff you've learned? Uh, let's see. Um... Well, the different uh, freelance things I can't really talk about, but they're a lot different than things I've done before, so they're kind of pushing me into new areas rather forcefully. So so it's kind of like you're, you're, you're learning by force because <laughs> you have to. They're like, do this. And I'm like, I don't know if I've done that much, but I can learn. And they're like, oh, yeah, you've done really good work so far. I trust you. And then I learn, and then I do it, and I'm like, this is really cool. I'm going to go put this in my projects now. Yeah, I mean, I can't wait to see what it does for just, SCP Blackout. Yeah, I've um now that I've got a routine down um with the the kid and bouncing my um workload uh I think I'm putting like 4 to 6 hours a day on on Blackout, so like wow. the last 2 days I've been really getting into it and I fixed like I don't know, 40 bugs on my list of like 60 or 70 and then after wow. that i'm gonna start adding in all the improvements that i've been learning and then start adding new content and just kind of go through phases what's your secret pushing up um how so uh you make the by far like the longest most complicated games in our collections from outsiders to the toy shop so uh you you create an an a variety of content in such a short amount of time it's it's mind-blowing i don't know i think i'm really good at problem solving so uh when i run into bugs and issues um i, I know where to look pretty quick maybe i don't know if, i'm not really sure i just kind of work and then people are like oh that's that's good that's pretty quick and i'm like cool i don't know that never really worked side by side with another dev so i don't really have any comparisons i guess you have worked on group projects before, though. You were telling me about that uh, horror haunted house game that you had worked on, right? Yeah, but I was the uh, the only dev, really. There was like a designer guy and a guy who did like textures, but um, I haven't worked side by side with other programmers or anything. Uh, it was one of those projects. I, I like those projects where you're like, we have fifteen artists and one programmer, and then the game comes out and what? it's kind of janky. I've... I have never had a game like that. Like in my community, it was always like 20 programmers to one artist because like they told everyone, oh, you want to work in game development? You have to do computer science degree. Well, so, I'm here to prove them all wrong. You don't have to have any kind of relevant degree to work in games. You just have to have money, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there is no rules. It's just like, it's just what people, I guess it's colleges tell students like, um, you I know what? Programmers say you should work in games unless you know how to code. I'm like, okay. Whatever. It's so weird though, because here, here's the thing, right? Uh, every person that works for us, I mean, Kyle, you didn't go to school for game design, right? Did you? No, just YouTube. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the school of YouTube. I, I have hired a, a number of developers at this point to work on the collection and to do various different other projects for us. I have never once hired one. Oh, you know what? I, I think that's wrong. I think that the Diving Bell team, a couple of them went to game design school. But 
the rest of the, of everyone, none of them went to game design school. Nope. And and I will say this, I would rather take someone who's released five games on itch.io than someone that went to the USC School of Game Design and has a degree. Like to me, like five games on itch.io is more valuable work experience than fucking a degree from USC well, School of well, Game Design. I worked with a lot of USC people when I, I had a previous job that was tied to USC. And I, I like handled a lot of their games for a showcase I did back in the day. Like it was a, it was a prominent showcase and some of them even won awards. Like we had an award ceremony. It was a, it was a big thing. Um, and some of the students made super professional work. The problem with a lot of game designs is that they have an attitude and the attitude is just super unappealing. And I'm just like, I'd rather give my money. Like, like you have two developers that know how to program, have a team that knows how to do art and can make a good game. I'd rather give my money to somebody who uh, I can work with and listens to like what we're you know trying to do here than somebody who's just like, well, I know everything because I got a degree, you know. And so I, that's just like it's just so unappealing when students have an attitude uh, because I don't know where it comes from with these colleges. I went I went to school and graduated. Like, well, I I I am very arrogant like as a person, and I don't think that has anything to do with my schooling. <laughs> I think that just has to do with my delusions of grandeur and and so like so, social problems. I don't know. I think that that's that's where I come from. But it works out in my favor because I uh, I speak well enough that people just believe in my confidence. So I'm just gonna keep trying to roll those dice forever. Does that that's nothing to do with what I just said though. Like this is. I mean, that's what I thought you said, and in my brain, that's what matters more. Like what I think <laughs> is what matters most. So now that's what we're talking about, because I am God and this is my universe. Oh my goodness! And you know, what you're talking um, about. yeah, like no. honestly, uh, attitude—that's like everything, folks. It doesn't matter where you get your education. It's like, like for the the way that like Kyle is just like, yeah, I'm just gonna like I don't know how to do it now, but I'll figure it out. Well, there's too many people that are just like um, they're too afraid to actually just jump into something and do it themselves. And Kyle says yes first, and then he figures it out as he goes along. And I think that's like the healthy way to do it. But I think it may be an educational setting. It's a, it's a lot harder because you're you're trying to make games for that gold star, for that grade, and not trying to make games to like actually learn the process of how to make a game. And also schools don't teach you about the industry, which I have a huge problem with. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think, sorry, Kyle, you were going to say? I was going to say, yeah, I kind of know what you mean, because, like, I've talked to some people who, like, went to game game school or game dev school for different, like, modeling or programming and stuff, and generally from talking to them, they're like, yeah, I kind of wish I'd done it at home, and um, I kind of get the general sense that they're kind of taught to, like, think inside the box, and they tend to have, like, kind of more problems doing new things, and then um, I do think it has kind of, like, the attitude that you were talking about a few minutes ago um because like i applied to like different uh freelance i don't know job offers on um different discord servers there's one guy who had a thing that wanted he wanted done in like five days and i was like oh this is like easy i could do this in like i could probably do this in less than a day so i like sent him i like messaged him i was like hey you're looking for someone like this and i sent him stuff i worked on and like a little resume of games and he's like he replies back like a day later he's like yeah you shouldn't even bother like 
if you don't have a degree that you can post and like you're not working with a studio, no studio or other person's ever going to hire you for freelance. Oh. Like, so don't even bother trying. And I was like, I, did, I didn't even reply. I was just, I, just, I guess not even time. I don't know. Not even worth the time to like disprove them. Cause it was like, I mean, I yeah. have active jobs going. And like <laughs> I could literally do your problem in like probably four hours. But now you're going to go find someone else who will charge more and take all five days that you offered and so spend a lot more. So I was like, yeah, I, I do know what you're talking about. And I get the distinct feeling that he probably went to game dev school and has some degree and he thinks anything else is like worthless. Well, OK, so I went I went to college. I went to a college and I did uh, well, despite being drunk the whole time. And that is where a lot of my perception on the bullshittiness of, of degrees is because I have a degree. I have two of them and I did not earn those. I was drunk the whole time and I did not do my, my best work. And, uh, that's the thing though, is that like, they're like, oh, you know, no one's going to see your grades on the outside and they are true. D's do get degrees. Um, although I was more in the C or B range. Uh, but it's like none of that. None of that matters because, like, I know myself and I know how much harder I work now. I know how much I've learned since I left school. I've learned more stuff about the industry, about the world, about life than I did ever in school. And uh, although I will say that the, the fact that I did do law school stuff does help with our contract creation of contracts and negotiation and stuff. So that's useful. But. Yeah, um, the, 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 I, I don't know. I guess there's also a point in me that's bitter because when I tried to do the first Dread X collection, I reached out to the USC School of Game Design and talked to a few people that were all like, yeah, this sounds great. I'd love to like have some students get some work experience by working with you. And then they all ghosted me out of nowhere. Like, I don't know who said what in a back channel that like caused a stir, but knowing, like, I have a bunch of friends that went to this USC School of Game Design and knowing how clicky it can be was like, okay, someone said some bullshit and there's just nothing I can do about it. Or like someone, basically, I think probably someone also worked on IndieCade and was like, I don't want to have this compete with IndieCade, so let's ghost them or whatever. And well, uh, what? Not enough. That's not it. Don't, don't be assuming that stuff. So the person it. specifically that I was talking to now does a podcast for IndieCade or something. So I'm just saying. Uh, I know who that person is and... <laughs> They had the podcast long before. I'm just saying it was really, really weird. It was really, really weird. And Indicate's been around for like 13 years. So they definitely Indicate's been around for 13 years. So they definitely wouldn't think that you're like a okay, I used to work at Indicate, FYI. <laughs> um and so I know for a fact that they would not even think anything of like what you said. Like they don't they wouldn't care. I I um, you know what? And I, I would normally uh, agree with you. But uh -huh. the reason I don't I, I disagree is because I think that uh, when you get to a point where your company has or brand or personal brand has reached stagnation and, and like a lot of people that are teachers have that sense in themselves because a lot of people that are teachers like they wanted to do the thing and then they weren't as successful as they'd like to be. So they go to teaching and I don't like mean to say teachers are bad or they don't know what they're doing, but like. There's generally, most teachers I've met are like, oh, if I could only like make the game of my dreams instead of doing this teaching, like it's a very common plot in the life of individuals. Um, when, when you feel as though uh, uh, you have reached a point of stagnation, everything instead of being, oh, isn't this a cool new thing becomes 
that's a competition. And I, I do think that no, IndieCade has for a while now been stagnant. Okay, that's absolutely true. But I don't think that they care enough. I uh, I can tell you okay, that's fair. insider knowledge, they don't care enough. But I will say that they they want to try a million different things. And it just is not their company. It's true with like any stagnant company. They panic and they try a million different things and none of them work because they don't have a focus on the business, which is like what I do for DreadXP is I give DreadXP um, a focus of like something to like that we should be like kind of pinpointing. And then we have other things that we're going to do later on for the company, but we're not doing everything all at once. And I think uh, when you try to do everything all at once, you drop the ball. That's fair. And I think that's that's probably what happened. And it's it's not just Indicate. It's like other companies do that too. So I just, I don't want you to think that they hate you because I don't think so. Um, but also what Kyle was saying earlier about uh, brand recognition when it comes to working at a studio. I like have like... I don't know. I have the same skill set that I've had for the last six years. I'll be honest. Like I've known about Twitter and Twitch and all this other stuff for like years already. And I was, but I'm the effectiveness of my skill set has everything to do with who I'm working with. Mm -hmm. Um, And it doesn't have to do with the studio that I worked at. So like, honestly, like I haven't learned anything new since joining JetXP, except for specifically the horror community, because I already had all the skill sets beforehand. Um, but for some people, people are like, oh, you worked at EA, therefore you know what you're doing. And I think that's the problem is like you need to have IP, intellectual property, you need to have brand recognition and just being associated with the right person or the right company. All of a sudden, people think you're more legitimate, which like really bothers me and probably, you know, both of you, too. Yeah, I think that there's just this general sense that like there's like this tier of of expert in general that like is so much better at things than everyone else. And like those do exist for like rocket scientists and brain surgeons. And when you're like me, which is a big dumb dumb and you don't know how programming works, you think that programming games is like on the level of rocket science and brain surgery where you're like only a super expert with like a, like a 12 year degree can do this. But it turns out it's actually not that hard. It is, but okay. Well, it's hard. Like I'm not saying it's like easy, but I'm saying it's not, like, it's not the same level as brain surgery. Like, you can learn, you can reasonably learn how to program a game through YouTube tutorials and I, then do I, that. But I've been, like, uh, I've seen a lot of really smart people never be successful. Like, who do everything right and then still never quite make it. Yeah, so but the the, 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 uh, the weight of being successful at game design, uh, the, 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 the consequences of failure... Very different than being bad at brain surgery. Okay, I'm not, but uh, we're not comparing game dev to brain surgery. <laughs> I, I am. That was my conversation. <laughs> yeah, but it, it doesn't really add context um, because there are, like, for example, there's a lot of things with game dev that I'm like, I have a project. I need somebody tailored to the project that I'm working on. That's really important. Like, for example, like, we're making horror games, but if we try to, like, get somebody who usually makes RTS games, like, that maybe probably wouldn't work for our, because RTS games take a while. Mm-hmm. Um, so it probably wouldn't work for the DreadX collections. So, like, we, yeah, you just have to find the right person for the right job, like, the right fit. And you just want to let the fans more... know that that is not discounting the possibility of a strategy game DreadX collection <laughs> in the future. That could possibly happen. We're not, we're not yeah. pointing it, ruling anything out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I. Sorry, Kyle, you're saying? So we got DreadX 1 and DreadX 2. I don't know if there's going to be a DreadX 3, 4, or 5, but 
when is Dreadx Gold gonna come out? Where you uh, oh. you take the best game from each each possible collection and make like a side story for it for each of them in time together or something like that. Something snazzy oh. and special. Dreadx Platinum. It. Oh gosh, actually, we're thinking. Of, so I was talking to our programmer um, about having to get some of these games on uh, how to get some of these games on consoles, and we're probably gonna have to instead of having the whole collection come out on consoles. Uh, just have uh, certain games that can be ported to consoles because there's certain games in our collection that because they're using their own like individual engine or because of the format of the game it just wouldn't be like really feasible to port it um so we're thinking about you know trying to have a a dread x greatest hits collection that's just you know five of the games from the first one or five of the games from the second one but uh we're still trying to figure that out but Anyways, Kyle, you were kind of correct. That sounds kind of cool, actually. Well, you know, it's just the problem with uh, porting the DreadX collection is that, like, the, the, the way that the PS4 infrastructure works or the uh, Switch or Xbox One, pick your console, nerds, I don't care. Uh, it's just, it's it's going to be difficult to try to get. We're going to have to, like, look up how to get all the, the assets into, like, one collection or whatever. I, I don't know, the program... I, I so like I did say that game design and programming isn't rock isn't brain science, but like I'm not even like a garbage man. Like I don't even know the basic levels of anything. So I just rely on the programmers. So I guess I should probably uh, stop talking with my ass about how hard it is. Dad, you drive me crazy sometimes. Why? What did I do this time? Uh, I just like how you always prove me right eventually. <laughs> I do. I mean, that's fair. I, I, I just, I, I'm, I'm okay failing upwards, and I just keep doing that, and I just yeah, keep that, stumbling upwards. Yeah, that's true. Uh, like, I mean, I'm not saying that that's true. I'm saying everyone does that. Everyone fails upwards. I've had an, a, an enormous amount of failures, like an incredible amount of failures, and then some people are just like, they get jealous. At, like, oh, you got to work with this project, or you got to work with this person, and I'm just like, there's no reason to be jealous because like <laughs> you don't understand don't be jelly don't hate. yeah exactly I'm like you don't understand what i had to get to to get to this point you know uh and that's and that goes for everybody i don't know anyone who hasn't failed a tremendous amount of times and and like anyone who's made money has failed a lot i'll just say that <laughs> yeah yeah i mean i was uh i went from being uh, drunk in a dumpster for like 10 years to running a video game company and like a year year turnaround it's really great my life is is wonderful and i'm very talented and if you're not running your own video game company you should probably feel bad about yourself anyways <laughs> uh I, I so oh okay we should probably talk about the game that kyle made for us yeah. uh at some point kyle you made a game for the dreadx collection too it's called toy shop do you remember uh try not to <laughs> why not you put a lot of work into that I'm just kidding. It turned out, yeah, it turned out pretty well. I just, um, I didn't get to put the the full time that we were allotted, um, quite into it because of the baby. So, uh, mm -hmm. it's not as polished. And I mean, I've got a lot of good feedback on it. Like a lot of people really like it, but mm -hmm. it it's a sore spot on for me because it's not quite what I feel like it it should be compared to my normal games. And also, I tried to experiment and do new things and um. I don't know. It didn't quite pan out. Um, again, again, it's okay, but I definitely not my my best game per se, or so I think. I mean, it, it's all right, but 
I don't know. I feel like it could have been done better if I had put my full full time in it, polishing it up. Can we talk about scope then? Because, like, you've done projects a lot. And so you Good. already know what you're getting yourself into when you're like, I wanted extra levels. I wanted, you know, you said experimentation. Like, like you, and you, you've done another game before this for us, like, a, you know, for outsiders. So, like, you knew what you were getting yourself into, and you knew you were having a baby on the way. Like, what, what, what was going on in your head where you just like, fuck it, I'll do it anyways? Is it like you can't, like, um, something about, like, you need that challenge? No, I mean, I have a, a somewhat solid game plan. It was just, as I was making it about halfway through, I was like, this, this has good story, but it's just not scary. So then mm. I was like, well, all right, I'm just going to have to kind of scrap this and, like, rework it. And then I added in the whole the gun part and the scary part, the part that people actually like, that I, the part that I'm kind of used to. Um, the first part's definitely unique and kind of memorable, but I don't know. You can kind of tell that it's not, not my specialty. Um, so, yeah, it just, like, I had a pretty solid plan, and then midway through it just, uh, yeah, I just had to kind of scrap it and rework a bunch of ideas in. Well, like for the out, the okay. So uh, I, I I agree. Okay, so the scope on uh, uh, Toy Shop was was really large, and like the initial pitch was, uh, you know, you're in this ruined city, but the ruined city is actually like looks like a toy shop because there's this puppet master controlling you uh, with these like strings, like a marionette, and like there was a, and then it's going to be like this two D platforming section, and then there's going to be a shooter bit, and I was like. Oh, actually, I don't even think your initial pitch had the shooter bit. I think that was something that then got added in. And I was like, this sounds like a lot, you know? <laughs> and uh, I'm just kind of like, when you're when you're trying to scope out a project, did because, okay, so with Outsiders, it was a similarly ambitious project, but it was scoped out in a very kind of specific way so that, you know, the game felt complete start to finish. Um and that, like, it kind of uh, the core gameplay loop was very, like, solid. Uh, with Outsider, with with Toy Shop, do you feel that um, you would have benefited more from focusing on just one mechanic? Or, like, wh where do you think you probably overscoped on it? Um, yeah, I mean, kind of the point of Toy Shop was to kind of have a bunch of different mechanics. Because I was going to have more power-ups and different things. It was more of once I hit the uh, platformer section, I was like, gee, I really suck at making platformers. This is, like, barely fun, and it takes up way too much space in the level, and I'm not going to be able to really expand this. And I was like, the other parts aren't really, like, scary exactly, and I don't think I can make this platformer part scary. And I was like, okay, so the the scope with a bunch of little mini games isn't really gonna work because it doesn't fit the the horror because like I had a I mean I had a, like other parts and other like abilities planned in, but they didn't seem like they'd be much scarier. so it was like, okay, I mean it, I probably could have made it solid and polished, but I just didn't think it would be I don't know scary. so I was like this isn't yeah I was. I was like, this isn't going to work. Even if I polish it up, it just doesn't fit the theme of Eldritch Horrors. So I was like, 
Okay. This this is gonna have to gonna have to change. So then the um reworking the gun part and all that stuff kinda took up a bunch of time that I had kinda allotted to polish things up. But I mean in the end I think it was the right call, even if mm-hmm. overall it didn't hit the same polish. It just uh Yeah, I overestimated my ability to make a, a platformer with, with Unreal. Mainly probably because I'm not really a fan of platformers, so I didn't have that uh that knack for what made it good um so yeah that that was kind of a bad call i really liked um i think my favorite parts is like when it transitions from like you know the story and and you have a lot of build-up and everyone's so confused in the beginning they're like why am i picking up candy and why does the why is it the screen like all staticky like sometimes your vision just like kind of gets wonky and uh why are these like why are there soldiers here like uh (laughs) But like people, everyone streaming the game is really confused. Uh, and then you get to the part. I'm um, spoilers for anyone. Please play Jedi's Collection Two, and pause <laughs> before um, the robots. When the robots come in, and you hear that do sound, right? And like having like killer robots. I thought that like that's the part where for me everything changes and gets really scary. Yeah, I actually agree with that. Yeah, I do like the chase scene. It stresses people out, like, <laughs> real bad. Like, even when I was first making it, when you have to go, like, you go to the door and you're like, oh, I got to, I see a button, you can't press it. And then you're like, oh, I have to go back. And then, like, you know you're wasting the time to press the button, and then you know you have to go towards it while it's coming. Like, that sense of, like, pressure, like, that 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 made me laugh, like, the first time. Because it was, like, stressing me out. And I was just trying to tweak it so it would be uh, pretty close for, like, it's hard to make games that can fit a wide range of skill levels. I kind of yeah. struggle with that a lot, but trying to make it so it's like doable, but st- still pretty stressful for people. And then um, I did kind of like the, the boss fight. Like I felt pretty cinematic. It's actually the first time I've ever even attempted a boss battle. So, I mean, it's it, definitely not the best, but I mean, it feels like a boss battle. So I'm kind of pleased with it. Even I, I had limited limited time to experiment I, I think it turned out okay people seem to like it once they get out and figure out what like to do you learned more doing these short games uh like a like a lot of sh- a lot of small short games do you learn more from that or working on like a bigger project probably the short games and then the things like the freelance were it's all because it's pushing me to do try new things mm-hmm. so like at I think it would be pretty cool to spend like two days every two weeks to like make a super tiny game based around one mechanic or something, just because it pushes you to try new things and trying the new things, you learn new stuff. So I, I definitely do like making the short games. Um, like when COVID first happened, I, uh, I kind of got laid off work, but they were like, Oh, we'll find work soon. And they just kept doing that and I drug out for like a month or two until they're like, okay, yeah, we're not going to really be able to do this. But I spent that whole time making like a new project called Project Midgard, which is kind of like a horror multiplayer where you like have a bunker and you build defenses and then between waves you have to go out and explore and stuff. I never really tried anything like that. So I I definitely learned how to set up the multiplayer because that's all functional. And then I learned other new things as I was trying new stuff and then looking up how to do stuff. I find like, kind of glean information on other things that I didn't know existed or I'd kind of wondered about. And it just 
slowly just keeps adding tools to the tool set. But when you do like real big projects and you're not really doing new stuff, you don't learn new stuff, I guess. Damn, that's deep. <laughs> no, I mean, I'd rather I'd rather someone work on something for us that like, at the end of the day, I'd rather people that are working on a project for us try something different that like they're interested in and being like, okay, let's see how this works out. And it like not being uh, the, the thing that works out best for them than to just make the 17th copy paste of something that they already know how to do, you know? And like, it doesn't always work out the best, but like, I I'm okay. Like with us as a company and as, as like a, like a community being a place where people can sometimes like experiment with something that doesn't work out to the best of their, their dreams, you know, and like still promote what they did. Like, I don't want to cut someone off because they didn't, deliver like you know it, it, with 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 airdorf um you know he he's known for making faith but if he was like and and, and with with um summer night in the original dread x collection you know it ends with this 3d segment spoiler alert for the original dread x collection uh and that's not something he's necessarily comfortable with um or well experienced with and i mean it could have turned out really bad it turned out you know pretty good um, but like, I like to give people that space to experiment and try something new and see where they can take their, their craft in a, uh, and, and, and actually have it be like, not just a project sitting on their desktop. You know, I, I like giving creators the chance to do that yeah, because I'm great. Cause I'm a great I'm... guy. <laughs> yeah. I am pretty glad that I, I did the toy shop cause it definitely helped me find some of my limits on I don't know, different things that I've tried and things I do and don't enjoy. Um, mm. I don't know if there is more DreadX things in the future or if I'll be invited back, but for, like, projects that I'm working on now, um, personal projects that I have planned still, like, I definitely have a better understanding on what I like and what I can do well and um, mm -hmm. definitely some things to enjoy. I mean, uh, I mean, definitely some things to stay away from because... If I don't particularly have a passion for it, it's definitely harder and not as fun to work on. I still learn a lot, but I don't. I feel like you can definitely part uh, feel the parts that I didn't really put my uh, heart and soul into on um on Toy Shop, where it's just kind of it's there, and then other parts where it's definitely a lot better quality. Where I don't know. I think you know what I'm saying. I think that it's be really beneficial. Uh, for not just you, but any solo dev to actually work with other people. Because I, I've talked to solo devs that, like, there, there's things about game dev that people in general think is just easy, but they've never done it before. And it's just so, you learn so much faster when you, when you talk with other devs. Like, for example, I had a dev that was like, I thought it'd be really easy to add the UI at the end of the game. And they ended up not having UI in the game. And it was extremely confusing because they waited till last second because they just assumed user interface wasn't important. I had another dev who, uh, he's like, why didn't anybody tell me that level editors are really difficult? Uh, I just wanted a quick way to edit levels and now this is taking forever, like longer than to just make the levels. And I'm like, don't you talk to other developers? You know, like, and so like when I, when I heard like, um, oh, I don't really do platformers, you know, but I think it's so cool that you still tried to do it. Uh, even though, because like sometimes it does work out, like sometimes you can, 
Uh, so yeah, I'm glad that you, you learned a lot and ho hopefully that's a, the goal here is like that everyone can learn from the process and more than just like making the games, like the whole process of like putting the game on Steam and all that. Yeah, there's definitely, definitely a lot of areas to learn. Mm -hmm. um, and even like these days, I'm still learning new areas. Like I, I can pretty much do almost every area pretty well or better but with like unreal like i i still have no idea how to really mess with particles like particle effects there's um dang there's like a couple of select things that i'm just like i just i don't really want to mess with that and then i'll just get like a pack for it and kind of learn how to manipulate it and edit it and mm -hmm. like past that like i just don't specifically have interest in that and mm -hmm. like I could spend the time to like kind of grind it up, but it's kind of like a game where my uh, experience rate is like halved just because I don't really want to learn it versus most areas I do. Um, but yeah, there are some things that I just don't like. Again, like bringing it back to the platformer, like I probably could have spent time to really polish it up, but I was like, man, this just isn't my thing, and it's going to take way too long to make this could and in the end it probably won't even be that good whereas i could you know cut my losses and make a better area and like kind of bring it up and then balancing yeah. that with the time and stuff yeah like i think if you didn't have the story elements it wouldn't have gone well but the fact that you added like the especially the twist ending and then you have to like people were just like i remember people being like how do i end this game because they thought like they they talked to the last dude at the end um, and then they like had to go through the level again, which is part of the story. And I thought that really added because you added like an emotional impact. It wasn't just about mechanics and making the game, uh, which I'm surprised you haven't talked more about. Like, I want to hear about your love for SCP, like how you got into it. I think we went into this to the, I went into this a bit on the last interview. Um, mm. so kind of remember, uh, I mean, honestly, I just got into SCP because I started with Vulgan's videos. Um, mm. Like, I found some, like, creepy story, and I was like, oh, this is pretty interesting. So I watched it, and then I watched some more, and then it slowly taught me about the, um, you know, the culture and story behind all the SCP. And then I guess, like, some kind of year, I guess some years went by. I was working on, like, a project that was pretty much dying because of uh, the guy in charge or whatever. So I was like... I guess I got some free time since I'm like waiting on him. So I started this little, it was a uh, Halloween coming up. So I wanted to make a little VR Halloween game. And um, I mean, it was kind of all right, but people were like, that's kind of cool. So I kind of kept working on it. I was like, this would fit SCP really well. So I kind of threw a little bit of SCP stuff in it, posted it online a little bit. And people were like, wow, this is like, this could be something. And they kind of kept pushing me along. And eventually I did like a Kickstarter. They got like, 900 bucks to buy some assets and then i don't know it just kind of kept kept growing a little bit and i joined like Volgan's server just to kind of see stuff he posts and um the moderators kind of found out what i was doing and they actually got me in touch with him so then i started talking with him and working with him and like we did some videos and then it just kind of kept snowballing bigger and bigger um eventually that other game just died off because of that that one guy so i haven't even heard about that but Mm -hmm. Then I just did Blackout pretty much full-time in my free time. And, yeah, it, I don't know. It was weird going from, like, just kind of 
you know, learning about SCP to like kind of like starting to make something and then becoming like kind of one of, I don't know, I'm not going to say like I'm a, a big SCP guy, but people are like, wow, that's like a big SCP game. And like I've worked with like a bunch of more well-known people in the SCP community. that are like some big writers, some like big YouTubers for the genre and like i don't know it's just cool i have like a lot of guest youtubers and stuff as voice actors in the game and i don't know it's really just come a long way like i don't even know how all it happened it's kind of like good luck and good decisions slowly evolving over time i guess well that's i don't like know the... it's been kind of crazy <laughs> it's definitely the game dev stuff but what about like the world of scp because there's a lot of like different horror out there but for some reason, you are really drawn to that alien sci-fi, um, you know, like mystery investigation, right? Uh, yeah. So there's definitely different kinds of horrors. Like there's um, de definitely more artistic kind of horrors that are like real psychological or like, mm -hmm. you know, kind of floaty and... In that way, I'm not a very deep person. Like, I'm super intrigued and, like, really into, like, the hard concrete. Like, there's definitely something there, but you don't quite know what. And, like, I got, I guess I got a good feel for, like, that kind of horror. Like, it makes sense to me. And, like, hmm. definitely, I don't know, like, creatures and aliens and, like, you know, sci-fi stuff. Like, there is, like, a reason in the science, even though you might not figure out what it is. Like, that, like, hard concrete mystery, like, really appeals to me. It's kind of hard to explain, like, what the other kinds are, I guess. Um, I don't know, like, the more open-ended, abstract kind of stuff that doesn't really have a concrete answer. I, I just, I don't know. Well, that's, that, that's uh, the benefit of SCP, is yeah. that you don't have to have a concrete answer because it's not about having a plot with a beginning, a middle, and an end. You can just have a weird thing that does a weird thing. It's like, this is a vending machine, that every time you put in a quarter, it shoots out an alien quarter or whatever. And you're like, that's cool. What does that do? And they're like, it shoots out alien quarters. And you're like, and then does it kill anyone? And you're like, I don't know, maybe. And then like, and then does it need, is there any way to defeat it? I don't know. It's a vending machine. You can unplug it. And they're like, well, that's interesting. And then the next one, like, and here's a giant lizard that like never dies. And it's angry all the time. And they're like, wow, what does that do? It's like, it's just a giant lizard that's angry all the time. And then you don't have to have that, like, the contrivances of a story behind it. Because, you know, the plot would demand that the lizard, by the end of the narrative arc, learns to love. And you don't need to do that in an SCP. I also think it's really interesting yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, that your games have a mix of, like, kind of, like, sadness with, with humor. Yeah, I get that a lot. I'm, I'm not entirely... I don't know. I'm not entirely sure. I just kind of put myself into it, so I, I don't. I don't know. I'm just like, hey, this would be kind of funny. Like I like this, and I put it in, and I guess it goes well. Some people like it. I haven't heard anyone really complain. I guess I don't really consciously think about it. I just feel like I don't know. Maybe it kind of adds some contrast. Like if you're just permanently scared the whole time, it, I don't know. I guess it would kind of like wear off. But like. I don't know. I, I like having the good and the bad because, like, when you're really scary and then scared, and then there's like some kind of funny. Maybe it, I I don't know why I do it honestly. You know what I like about Kyle's game I design method. I what I like about Kyle's game design method 
is that he he doesn't come at things like here's what the market likes and here's here's the he's just like I don't know I wanted to put this thing in my game because I I thought it was funny and then I did and it worked out okay or eh, it didn't work out okay so then I did this other thing like it's very like I just wanted to do the thing and then I did it and we saw how it worked out I don't I'm a very market driven developer so <laughs> yeah it's very very different to see the two the yeah. way that you two guys work I think it's like yeah. they're both viable options it's just yeah you know, I like to see kind of the difference there that's true yeah because you're all like numbers and research and data and stuff and Kyle's more like I think that's fair to say Kyle that you're more you're less research market and data and more like this sounds fun I'll do that I will say the reason why I'm like this is because, like Kyle mentioned earlier, a job that didn't quite work out because the guy did, couldn't get his stuff together. Um, and I've worked at so many companies like that where people are just like, I have a cool idea and um, they know how to make a game, but they don't know how to run a business. And so I was just, I kept hitting this wall of people that had great ideas, were very talented, but just didn't know how to make money. And then the studios would just fall apart and like people would lose their jobs. And that just drove me crazy. So that's why like, I'm so focused on being market driven. Yeah. No, I appreciate that. Cause I don't know how to run a business or make money or make games. So, you know, it's nice to have everyone around me that knows how to do all this shit. But Kyle, you know, you get what I'm saying though. When I say that is like, you know, you're, you're kind of more like, let's just do the thing and see how it works out. Yeah. I think it's, I have a knack for what feels right, I guess. Mm -hmm. So I think I think I subconsciously kind of like notice the patterns and kind of what works and what's good and bad, but I don't spend the time to like actively think and like sketch it out. So I'm like this this seems like a, it'll work out people like this, but I also don't I don't have the numbers. I'm just like I, I don't know. That, that's my take on it. That's kind of what I think intuition is is you subconsciously know if I had to if I had to guess. No, I mean that's that's kind of what I said in the previous pod and also kind of when I met you at uh Pack South was like when I was yeah. playing SCP Blackout, there are certain elements, like moments in the game where I was like, this is a really well crafted scare or a really well crafted scary scene. And mm -hmm. you can't really teach that. Like it's very difficult. You can you can teach someone the elements of making something scary, the flickering lights, the you know, the conventions of having things pop off of camera, the unexpected direction that monsters can come from. Um, you can teach all that stuff, but, like, you you can't teach someone how something is scary. Like, you can't... It's like teaching funny. You can't teach funny. You can't teach scary. Um, or you, I guess you can. It's just very, very hard. And, uh, like, the thing that I've always really liked about Kyle's work is uh, that he has that intrinsic sense of, like, what is and isn't scary to create interesting and good scares... And, um, yeah, I mean, I just I just like seeing whatever he comes up with. You come up with. You are here. I should probably stop referring to you as though you're not in the call. You guys are so nice. You, like, give me so much attention. I am very nice. That's actually the only reason that I have this company working is everyone's like, Ted's a nice guy. I like working with him. And I'm like, just keep doing it. I'm just, I'm just up here dancing, just dancing my silly little clown dance, and people seem to like it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was just working at a booth, and you came up and, like, we did this big interview. I was like, "Well, that was cool." I don't, I don't really know who that is. And then I like, <laughs> honestly kind of forgot about it because like there were so many people coming at me like that whole thing. Like I didn't know, it, I didn't think we'd really get any traffic, and then we were just slammed for three days straight. Like it was, it was like exhausting. Wait, and then, was yeah, like months time? later, you're like, "Hey, remember me?" 
I was like, oh, yeah. Um, I mean, I did because you were like the only guy in a suit. uh, You're like, yeah. I mean, I don't remember what you said, but you're like, you've only made one game ever. But would you like to make another for us? And I was like, that sounds cool because, I mean, it sounded like a good opportunity. And I I guess it turned out pretty well. Like things, Pretty much after that, things like ramped up real quick. And then it ramped up so hard that, you know, COVID-19 hit. And then it's just, it's still going. That was my bad. I did do COVID. I mean, it, it worked out for me, so I appreciate it. Because I, otherwise, I never would have gotten into freelance because I didn't uh, have the confidence and I hadn't worked with anyone. So I didn't know I was good at it. I actually started COVID just to help the indie game industry. So you're all <laughs> welcome, indie gamers. Um, so that was that was your first PAX ever? You'd never been to a game convention before? Um, I had visited um, a convention for like a half a day before. Oh, <laughs> okay. But yeah. Yeah, very different to work it. Than... Yeah. Um, see, this is why I tell developers, uh, a lot of developers are like, why would I waste time and energy and money going to a convention? Like I have to set up the booth. I have to talk to people. I just want to make my video games. I don't want to have to talk to anybody. And I've had such a hard time of convincing people that like it's worth it to go to conventions because you could have so many opportunities and you never know who you're going to meet. You're going like to meet Ted. You're going to meet Ted in a suit. Yeah, I mean, I'm very noticeable. I, I, that suit looks good on me. <laughs> yeah. Don't you love how humble he is? Yeah, I love how- uh, but yeah, sorry. I, mean, tomorrow- I, I appreciate it. He's here, so he can do whatever he wants. Yeah. <laughs> and if you hadn't, like, if like, and I had to have this special set of circumstances where Kyle had to have made a game and put, and Pax had to accept the game so he could have a booth. So he had his booth, and then um, Ted had to, like, out of all, you can't possibly go to all the booths and like talk to all the developers at Pax. There's just too many. So the fact that Ted chose your game out of his way to do interview with you and then kyle forgot about him and then ted like offered him a thing so it was a very like strange set of circumstances that brought us to this point but like thank goodness it happened yeah i agree i think i think that um well and that's the that's the thing right about putting yourself out there as a developer is that um you can worry all the worries that you have about like how am i going to present myself you know what am i going to say like how am i going to interact with people like that's all that's 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 just part of like what you have to do to get yourself and your brand out there because like at the end of the day like you can make a really 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 cool game but if people don't vibe with you as a developer it's not going to last like the developers that have really lasted are the ones that like keep delivering cool content but then also keep you know something personable that people can kind of hold on to i think that's that's kind of what i think is what separates the, the, the ones that last from the ones that don't? It, it's more than just about making a game. Like, if you want to make, like, obviously Kyle makes money off of this. He's got a, a family to take care of. And Kyle, like, wants to keep making games. And so you have to go outside your, like, comfort zone if this is something you want to do for money. Yeah, definitely. Kyle, and, and yeah. you have done pretty well with SCP Blackout, right? Yeah. I mean, especially for you know, first game, like, I think I would say that I was probably in the, you know, top 10% of how well games do for, you know, a very first game. I mean, even 
aside from that, I feel like it's done moderately, moderately well. Like I've no, sold over yeah. seven thousand last week, like last week, which I think that's a good number. Again, I I <laughs> I don't really know because I haven't talked to many devs that do Steam. I guess seems like a lot of the other guys do itch.io from what I heard. So I don't know. I don't really have a gauge. I just kind of do stuff. Yeah, no, I, I actually, um, that is that is a pretty good number, and yeah, that would put you in a very high bracket because people don't know this, but most most games on Steam you will never hear of. Yeah, I, I feel like that's the power of like IP and branding. Like, I think SCP really does carry really far, uh, and it hits a lot of people. So, uh, thank goodness it's open source. <laughs> and it's something that a lot of people contribute to so it, it helps grow uh you know what an scp is and so i think if you didn't have that in the title if, it, if the game wasn't about that um i don't i think it definitely helped it and i think i mean you know that too for first game so it was like a really smart decision but it's not, i thought you did that on purpose it doesn't sound like maybe you did um honestly it's a bit of both okay i, I thought it would you know kind of help and i also wanted I mean, there weren't any SCP games that were, like, decent, so I wanted to True. do something that people wanted. And, I mean, I'm still trying to do that. Like, the game is... Honestly, the game is about three games in one, because it's desktop, mm -hmm. it's VR. There's, like, this full story mode, which I'm working to double right now. There's, like, the entire story mode, which, like, I have to start soon, and that's all new levels, all new monsters, pretty much. Like, a whole new story. It's literally an entire new game, but... I mean, I'm not going to split that into a second game and make people repay because they've already paid because they want something. The The scope of the game is literally, I don't know, 8 to 15 times as big as it was when I first came up with it. So it's more of a passion project by this point. Like, I mean, I'm glad it sells well because it you know, keeps me working on it, but it's definitely not profit oriented or otherwise i wouldn't be putting this much time into it especially with the all the work that's still coming like i don't know i want to make quality content and stuff that people like and i'm glad that people like it like i'm happy to contribute to scp and like make the fans happy because i'm also a fan so i'm like making something that i would want it's a great way to approach game design make something that you want to play i like that Kyle, what can we expect from uh, future SCP Blackout content? What do you still got down the pipe? Uh, other than that big story mode, but like, what can people expect soon? Uh, well, I had to take the last couple months off because, uh, you know, baby, dreadx, um, COVID. But now I'm back in my routine. I can put four to six hours a day on it again. Um, really, like slamming back down. I brought in a new dev, um, Jory Stoltz. He's been been with me basically from the beginning because i got him as a, a voice actor and then he just kept going above and beyond because he like really liked the way i worked and uh, really like scp so I, like man i like he was kind of kind of newer but I, I like snatched him up and he's been awesome he does like a lot of writing um he's like helped me the whole way up to this over like the months i was off he like started learning unreal and like he's really good at level design really artsy in like some ways that i like and those more uh, abstract ways that I was talking about. So it like, kind of helps balance me out. So now I've got him helping me. Um, 
we uh the story was like a mess i literally had like 32 sticky notes just on my desk papers scattered with like notes and story bits so i spent a week just bringing all that together on a um program to help me like finally get an overview and like now i've got a good sense of everything that was and I'm, like we're trimming it down and like filling in holes so like the story's really bringing butt together for the first time um we know it we have a clear goal like uh star does like we have a clear focus instead of me like going willy-nilly like i have the whole time till now so like broken down what i need to do into phases I'm gonna finally get all the bugs out that been reported over the last year i've like got most of that done the last two days and like all this new stuff i've learned i'm gonna add that polish it up and like improve and optimize everything so let's get it really stable and then i'm gonna start adding the new content that's like focused and pre-planned so we know exactly what to do um the new content that people are like excited about um the survival kind of has a story right now but we're gonna add like a like legit story that actually makes sense and supports the overall story and story mode it's like double or more in length there's like five new maps coming like i think two or more are getting completely reworked um a lot more cinematic experiences um there's like three or more endings coming because right now if you beat it you pretty much get on the elevator and you get a piece of paper like no there's gonna be like actual like true endings with like you know a good payoff cinematic stuff uh new mechanics scps you know just overall pretty much like everything and that's gonna we're gonna try to get i think all of that done by halloween um if not then we won't have the endings and then we'll add that and all the polish for christmas and then we're gonna start the actual story like in january and um I think that'll go pretty quick. Like it's all new levels. There's like 16 or more endings, but since it's going to be very linear, it's so much easier and quicker to work on than survival mode. Cause it's basically an open world and like you go wherever you want. That's really hard to design for. So like the linear experience, even though it's like branching options, like that's going to be quick and easy. So, um, yeah, Halloween update, Christmas update, and then story, um, sometime mid next year. Cause It'll be a lot easier when I'm not just adding stuff at will and don't really have a clear goal. I really hope that there's some kind of place that people can go to find out new updates about SCP Blackout or possibly like one big event where more information will be revealed, like a new trailer or something. That would be really cool. I don't know. I don't know if there's anything like that, that though. That would be real cool, like... I even have some like ideas for trailers and stuff, but if only, if only we had a spot. I mean, they can go to our to my uh, Classified X Discord because then I got all the games I've worked on and updates on Blackout. And if there was some big magical event coming up, then they'd definitely find out about it there. Really? Think, that sounds cool. I, I feel like you probably have a website too. I do have a website. Um, I don't know what's on the website, though. I haven't looked at it in months. I, I gave it to other gremlins, and the other gremlins have been working on it. Uh, I mostly just do this podcast. Actually, I do this podcast for about an hour and a half a week, and then the rest of the time I go back into my cryostasis chamber uh, so that... No, you pay, play with your cat. I play with my cat. That is true. Yeah. He's in the cryostasis chamber with me. Um, <laughs> oh. Oh. 
But uh, that actually sounds like uh, uh, Kyle. I think you have a good idea there. Start. Do we happen to know of any upcoming really cool events like that that might happen? Oh, we do have a Dread XP spooky showcase that's oh, going to air <laughs> air on Halloween. Uh, but before that, if you are a developer that has a creepy, spooky, dark game, uh, our submissions are open till September 15th. So just go to our web- the website, dreadxp.com, or go to our Twitter. We have a Google form there. You fill out. It will literally take you one minute. It's like, what is your name? What is your game? Give us a trailer. That is the form. So Yes. Um, and we Please have awesome plans <laughs> for the showcase itself. And it's, it's not going to be one of these, like, long, drawn-out showcases. It'll be short and sweet. It'll be respectable of your time. Halloween's going to be on a full moon and, like, I think daylight savings time. So this is going to be a big, big one this year. And, like, I mean, what else are you going to do? We're, it's pandemic. <laughs> I've seen some of these trailers, too, and they're really cool. Yeah. I, I'm actually – so I, I wasn't sure what we were getting into when we started this. But now that I have gone through um, the trailers, I'm like – Mm-hmm. This is really dope. And then there are some projects in there that are like things I'd never heard of. And now that I've seen the trailers, I'm like, people should know about this. Yes, exactly. Uh, and again, it goes to like what Kyle, Kyle, you know, had a booth at a convention. He put himself out there and now his life is better for it. So it, I think if you're, if you've got a game, you should be sharing it with people. Like not just in your own social media, but be part of communities and like, put your game into showcases because me and Ted are very accepting. Like we're not looking for AAA looking like, like, I don't know, polished games all the time. We're also looking for the gems, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and, and definitely. <laughs> but I, uh, I think that we're now pushing the hour and a half mark for this uh, podcast. Mm-hmm. We should probably start wrapping it up. Uh, Kyle. Uh, uh, so people can always find you uh, on Twitter. At, uh, what is your handle? Go ahead and pitch it. Uh, the classified X, and they could also yeah. join your Discord. Like, how? Yeah, I mean, Twitter is easiest to find, and from there you can find website, Discord. Um, I don't know, probably emails if you wanted to email. Um, I don't know. It everything kind of links together, so if you find one, you can navigate to everything else. Yes, you can definitely. I mean, I definitely recommend you do it if you're an SCP fan. Definitely check it out because all the creations in SCP Blackout are original creations with their own little stories. Just an extension on the universe you already love. Definitely join the Discord where people nerd out about SCP shit all the time, which you know I fucking love. And if you're an SCP nerd, you'll fucking love it too. Um, and then also check out our indie game showcase, which is happening on Halloween. And if you're an indie dev, submit something. We'd love to show you off. We'd love to promote the indie devs in the uh, community. I will say though, is that like, there's a lot of people submitting. So please be sure to get your submissions in soon. Um, Other than that, star, is there anything else you want to announce real quick? Uh, (laughs) Not yet, but very soon Uh, next week on our Twitter. uh, When, when you probably listen to this podcast anyway. So maybe by the time you listen to the podcast, you already have our other big announcement. Okay. Well, I don't know what that is, so I'll find out too. No, I do know what it is. I know what's going on. Don't worry. We work on it every day. We work on it every day. All right. Uh, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. It's been really great to see the reception for the Dread X Collection 2. If you haven't picked it up yet, you can get it now on Steam. It's just 10 bucks. 
you know, and we have like a 98% approval rating on Steam, which is actually unheard of. Like, I've never seen that happen before. So I'm so, so pleased. So please check it out if you haven't had the chance to. And um, Kyle, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, it's always great to be able to get the chance to chat with you. Um, and uh, for the rest of you guys, I will see you soon when we interview another dev about something. Okay, bye. This message is for Brian Chesky of Airbnb. We are your loyal hosts and most devoted supporters. Well, that is, we used to be. Now with fire boiling through our veins, we are collectively outraged. We thought you cared until you stabbed us in the back and left us to die. You give us the illusion of stability, then you tear it from our bleeding hands when we need it most. You let us choose a cancellation policy, then you override it on you then, like a sadistic tyrant. Maybe you're good at big numbers, engineering the perfect algorithm, designing the perfect culture, building systems at gravity-defying scale. But you greedy, selfish, arrogant, flippant, wishy-washy, backstabbing bastards, you would not have an empire without us. It's our homes on your platform. It's our face on millions of listings. It's our soul that brings the magic.